0: Welcome to School Food for Thought, a School Nutrition Association podcast powered by General Mills. Today, I'm thrilled to talk to Nicole Taylor and Lindsay Aguilar about their experiences bringing the world together in their cafeterias. We talked about serving diverse communities, supporting refugee families, and asking parents to share their favorite recipes to make some people feel home and give others a taste of the world. It was a fascinating conversation that took us from Pennsylvania to Arizona and beyond. Hello everyone, I'm Danielle Duran Barron, Vice President for Marketing Communications and Industry Relations at SNA. And I am here with Nicole Taylor and Lindsay Aguilar, who's on our board. We're here to talk about communicating with diverse audiences. So I thought it would be really useful if if each one of you could tell me a little bit about your district, your demographics, who are the kids that you're serving and the teams that you're managing.
1: Hi, I'm Nicole Taylor. I am from Chichester, Pennsylvania, right outside of um, Delaware. I'm actually on the border of Delaware and Pennsylvania. Um, we have a pretty good diverse student body. We um, are primarily um, Caucasian, but we have a lot uh, or growing population of Latino, African-American, um, Asian Indian, and Asian Island Pacific. We. Um, However, our staff is not as diverse um, as our student body population, so we are working to figure out how we could um, bring a little bit more diversity into our um, staffing level as well.
2: Thank you. What about you, Lindsay? Yeah, I'm Lindsay Aguilar from Tucson Unified School District in Tucson, Arizona. Um, We have in our community, very diverse community, um, our district largest percentage of our students are Hispanic, um, but we do have quite um, a few refugee students. So we have just under a thousand refugee families in our district um, from 52 different countries, um, 38 different languages. So we have a lot of pocket schools, Um, in our communities that are very high refugee um, populations. So our staff, um, also very diverse. Um, I would say majority Hispanic, similar to our community, but definitely um, a pretty diverse mix.
0: Oh, wow, And you mentioned the refugees. Is this a more recent phenomenon or you've seen this for a while?
2: Um, it's been for a while, but it's definitely increased um, over the last, um, I would say, five years. We've definitely seen a more of an influx. Um, we have uh, most recently a larger increase of Afghanistan families um, have come to Tucson. So we actually have an entire department in our district dedicated to refugees uh, family services. So um, they partner with a lot of different community organizations to match, you know, help assist families essentially just getting their children into the school system and acclimated um so it's definitely a a unique kind of need in our in our community and we're happy to to be there to help these families transition
0: yes and then we talk about i think when we started talking about you coming on the podcast one of the ideas that came up was you have the whole world coming to your cafeteria be that the students their families your staff how how has that changed uh, over the last five to ten years? and how do you how do you communicate with them? How do you engage all of them? How do you meet them where they are?
2: Um, I would say um, at Tucson, I think one of our biggest challenges is just um, the foods are completely unfamiliar to these to these children and their families so we've have we've had to get kind of creative in terms of um, I have staff that they'll make pictures of like a pig with an X through it or just visual aids because a lot of these students obviously don't eat pork um, so even if we're serving a turkey hot dog and we try to explain that it's still they will not eat a hot dog um, so just trying to you know be creative with visual aids to try to bridge that language barrier and make them feel comfortable too. Um, But a lot of it is trust because they're trusting that we're providing the foods that were, you know, that it doesn't have pork or, um, you know, even just something like a cheeseburger. I mean, that could be completely foreign to some of these students. So our school garden programs have also helped um, kind of bridge that gap because they're familiar with those kinds of foods. They know what you know vegetables and fruits are. So, um, for a lot, especially for a lot of the families, we have some pretty robust community gardens in our community that has also helped kind of bring those families into the community um, through the garden. So that's been kind of um, an example of just something that um, talking about you know representing the world um, in our cafeterias. So
0: yeah, that's a great idea.
2: I would say for.
1: Um, Chichester it was something that we struggled with in the very beginning um, because this was very new. So we, our population just kind of exploded into this diverse area because um, initially when I got there it wasn't as diverse. Um, and as I've been there, and I would say I've been there for about almost six years now, it's really grown into very to a very diverse culture. Um, so really trying to meet our students and our parents where they are has um, was a bit of a challenge. One of the things that we did was just kind of send out surveys um, to ask what um, are they looking for. We invite our parents into our cafeterias. We try to ensure that, you know, like Lindsay, we label everything because we want them to know, you know, this is a meatless option. This is a... Um, uh no pork option so we're trying to constantly educate our parents on our menu um one of the things that we are rolling out actually this year and i'll have to report back and let you know if it's successful (laughs) or not we're asking parents to give us um their favorite recipe um, and let us take that recipe and transform it into a school meal um so that way we can learn about what you know, they're feeding their children at home. Um, we're gonna do a write up on whichever recipe of the month that we choose um, and send that out in our cafeteria letter. Um, so that way we could really get the parents engaged in what we're doing. Um, and then we have like our international food day. So once a month we honor um, a different culture and there we really try to um, highlight one of their meals, or a specific meal, or something um, tailored to that area. And that actually came from our student who asked me to make potato greens. And I kind of cracked up laughing. and I was like, sweetheart, I don't think I can make them on a big scale. And so I had to go back and really look up like, all right, how would I do this on a large scale? And could it be done? And I found out I could not. So I had to go back and tell him if your mom could bring us some in and we'll talk about it, you know, to your class. And so we just kind of did it that way. And his mom actually ended up bringing me a little plate of potato greens, which I thought was really funny. So, yeah.
0: Well, that's <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Because I was going to say, um, how do you engage the community? Right. That that's new. How do you bring them to sometimes it's a new country for them, whether whether or not they're refugees, they might be immigrants. Um, How do you bring them to your school? How do you give them a voice? How do you establish
2: that relationship with them? Um, In Tucson, I think we're very fortunate as far as our district, um, I think, does a great job of really trying to support that that area. Um, So we actually have enrollment ambassadors that um, specifically get uh, matched up by regions of our district with any um, new child that's being enrolled into our schools. And so specifically with refugee families or families that are new to the area, um, they're kind of the, the personal liaison for that family to really get them connected with, you know, where do you live? What school would be best The different programs, you know, free and reduced lunch, you know, does. Do you go to a CEP school, um, you know, helping with the forms? Um, and then beyond that, um, you know, translation services, like I mentioned, a lot of different community organizations that our district works with. That you know, for families that um, we have language barriers, um, so I think that's been key, and just more of like the system because it's very overwhelming for these families when they you know commit like registering for school and you know clothing. We have family resource centers, um, five of them throughout our district, again regionally, to help provide um, resources for families. There's food pantries, there's you know clothing banks, different things. So um, I think. We've really welcomed, you know, that um, support system for the families because um, it's essential to kind of make sure that um, that they, are, you know, they feel welcomed and they can start to get acclimated to, you know, the school system. So. I think that's been a a huge piece. And then at the school level itself, we have like community liaisons that, again, can really kind of identify if there are, you know, why is the child not eating at school? Or, you know, what can we do to, uh, you know, is there something we can help clarify that would make them feel more comfortable um, coming into the cafeteria or talking to the parents, Um, those kind of things. And the recipe contests, like Nicole mentioned, are, I think, such a in my opinion, you know, food is something that can really, that connects and relates to all cultures. So there's, you know, there's, um, there's something beautiful about, you know, celebrating food and connecting, you know, different cultures through that. So the cafeteria is the perfect place to do that or nutrition Mm -hmm. education. So we, we definitely utilize those similar tactics to celebrate, you know, these different cultures and get recipes or ask, you know, them to um, share, you know, things that we can, we can look at in the international foods. I think it's another area that we try to familiar foods or for some, you know, students, but then something different that other students have never had, and they realize they can learn about it. So I think those Mm -hmm. are all beautiful areas that that we kind of try to incorporate into our program. So has that
0: influenced your menu? Are you serving different things now um, based on the new populations that are coming
2: in? I will say this year has been kind of a transition year for for us to kind of get back to some of those more um, fun and creative areas. So coming out of COVID um, our menu definitely had been impacted. So um, we did um, roll out our international favorites at our middle and high schools. So again, trying to feature um, dishes from different parts of the world. We're not quite to the level that I'd like to be yet, but that's definitely in the plans to have, you know, beyond just Asian, Italian, Mexican, those kind of things. We definitely want to um, pre-COVID, you know, we would do like Israeli chicken and we had some Egyptian shawarma and different things that um, that we were incorporating. So that's kind of the goal to get back to some more beyond just mm-hmm. the the typical dishes. Yes. So there's always a flip side, right? Just
1: like we're trying to engage those students that are just coming into our district, we're also having to teach our students that are currently there about different foods um, and different you know textures and flavor profiles and so you really are trying to weave that balance in to get them to experience new flavors and and you know new tastes and new experiences while also making um, other children feel comfortable and accepted and welcome Um, and so we kind of use our platform for just that you know to try to really engage every student um, at that level. Um, you know, this might not be something you've ever heard of, um, but come in and try it. And I feel like I'm, I'm kind of like in a, 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 in a unique situation. So my mother, we traveled between Colorado, New Mexico, and Texas my entire life growing up. So you know, kudos to Arizona because your food is what I grew up off of, you know, New Mexico. So, you know, I'm all about green chili. And so, you know, really learning, really being able to taste uh, different flavors and and not, you know, just being stuck to one, you know, specific demographic area really helped me flourish um, and get an understanding of food. And so... I try to bring that into my students and so when I explain things to them I might say you know this is a more southern fare and you know when you try this you know this is what this typical that they might eat here and they might think a Philly cheesesteak is you know it looks a little weird or it's mm-hmm. off-putting because they don't really understand that sometimes So sometimes just breaking that barrier um, and I often use like for my, my one student and I we talk all the time and I had to explain to her that I'd I never seen a pierogi in my life until I got to, you know, the East Coast. And I'm like, I have no idea what that is. I'm not really big on dumplings, so I didn't want to taste it. Um, now, if you would have told me it was, you know, if you would have gave that to me and smothered it in chili, I probably would have ate it <laughs> because that's what I'm used to. Um, but then talking to her and, you know, we kind of went back and forth. And she was blown away that I didn't know what a pierogi was. And she challenged me, well, I challenge you to taste it and put it on our menu if you like it. And so I tasted it. I'm not a big fan of it, and I really I hope I don't offend anyone. You know, to each is its own. I don't like dumplings, period. So but I don't even like chicken to you and dumplings, for right? So you know, um, but I did put it on our menu because I knew that that was something that they felt they can connect with, and was there for them. So, but at the same time, I challenged them and I said, well, now let me make you a dish from New Mexico, and I want to challenge you all to try it. And so I, when we presented it. I um, had to do a little write-up so that they understood that this is from, you know, this is food that's familiar to me and this is my comfort food. So it was really, you know, it's kind of that interaction with students that kind of opened my mindset and kind of broadened me to say, okay, it goes both ways. You know, it's what's sim- similar or familiar to me is not familiar to them.
0: Yeah, and I like yeah. the storytelling aspect of it, too, because yeah. food unites us in, in so many different ways. Uh, years ago, I was at this um, international night at our school, and I was setting up, you know, our table right next to the Nigerian table. And they put stuff out. I'm like, I know what that is. And I walked up and I said, it is. you know, we eat it in my country, too. And it's called acarajé, And in Nigeria, it's called Akara. And it's very mm-hmm. famous in one city in Brazil. It's not my hometown, but it's another poor town because we have... For those who don't know, Brazil has the largest African population outside Africa. Mm-hmm. So it is it is the same food, and it's the only place in Brazil where they serve spicy food. Brazilian food is not spice at all; it's not spicy one bit. But that place, and so we just had this long conversation about <laughs> all the things, and and the kids were really intrigued about that too, and and it's it's about history, right? It's mm-hmm. about what happened, and it's about that we have more in common than what separates us. So Mm -hmm. I think you can, there are a few things that you can really bring that to life, and and food is one of them.
1: Oh, I agree, 100%, yeah. It's a great connecting piece. And
0: and it's for, you know, different religions, and and there's the the whole, like, I think, gathering. And we were talking earlier here that I think doing what you do, you feed a lot more than food, you nourish souls, Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're, you're doing a lot more for the kids and for their communities, because I think there's um, this misconception that your your work is, is really limited to the schools, and that there's so much more in bringing the communities together. So, so how do you work with you know with the communities, like even in school nutrition, um, about the teachers, right? Because sometimes I feel that if there is a partnership there, then it makes your job so much easier, because then they become ambassadors and role models. And,
2: and sometimes that partnership's not there.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. What is what is your experience, Lindsay?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, there's unfortunately there is still that reality, you know, in some schools where there is that, you know, we're kind of the stepsister of the of the of the school system, even within a school. So um, we really do try to, um, you know, come up with ways to help encourage our staff at the schools to, um, you know, become. If it's if, if 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 they have to you know work a little harder on their end to kind of bridge that gap, um, but yeah, the teachers can be. I think um, in my experience, I think um, kind of like Nicole's talking about getting you know into the classroom or you know having that one-on-one with the students or our staff getting in there to do um, or doing taste tests. Um, oftentimes, you know sometimes the teachers almost get more excited about the taste test than the <laughs> students do sometimes. But I think they, then it puts us, they see us in a different perspective, kind of like you're saying, I always call it like beyond the cafeteria, like what can we do to go beyond the cafeteria so that we're seen as an integral part of of the school culture and the community. And um, so, you know, whether it's doing a nutrition education piece, the school gardens have been a huge, um, You know, area for us to really connect on a different level with our students and teachers. And we have, um, you know, teams doing like professional development for teachers on, you know, how to incorporate nutrition and gardens into their curriculum. So I think once they view us as a more, it's not just school food, you know, Mm -hmm. we're nutrition experts, we're resources, you know, we try to help provide resources through grants for the schools or wellness coordinators. There's so many great programs available mm-hmm. to schools like Fuel Up to Play60 and different things. Um so I think um, you know, establishing those relationships is key because they, you know, they're at then then they're advocates for their students to, you know, come into the cafeteria and eat lunch or asking why didn't you eat lunch or being familiar with, you know, the menu for us um might be a little behind the times but we just recently launched you know a facebook instagram account specifically to our food service department this year just for that reason because we need you know beyond the district website or district facebook we want i really wanted to reach teachers and parents and um, have our own direct connection and being able to determine what it is that we're going to share with them and Mm -hmm. There are so many wonderful things that you're surprised because I'm like, oh, God, what are we going to post or how, you know, it's overwhelming. But you're like, wow, we really do have a lot of things that, you know, we can share even just. And so for me, it's been exciting to see the school start, um, you know, following us or because, you know, that's a teacher or mm-hmm. a school staff person that's overseeing that school account. And then they're connecting with us and they're reposting, you know, it's so I think that social media outlet for us has been. Um, a really wonderful way to, because we're so large, we have 87 schools. So to try to connect, you know, how many students do you serve? um, We have 41,000 students. Wow. So that has just, like I said, I really think for me, I envision kind of that's our connection into the, you know, with the teachers and the school communities, even beyond if, if they're not coming into the lunchroom, we're going to kind of bring it to them and put it in an easy way that they can access. Even as something as simple as the menu. A lot of times I feel like there's teachers that don't even realize what we're offering or the variety or they haven't. Um, so that's it's it's essential to really have those champions at your school as a teacher mm-hmm. or a school office person or administration to kind of um, you know help share and let families know what we're serving. And it's not mystery meat. From like when your mom yeah. or dad was in school and different things like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. thank you, Lindsay. What about um, you, Nicole? Um, well, I'm kind of a bully. So <laughs> we have a saying in our district: we're cafeteria without walls. And so one of the things we do, um, we do community engagement nights. Um, we really try to get involved with the um, through our gardens as well. So we'll have we have four gar- two garden stations set up at our elementaries and it's set up in the cafeteria with growing stations so that the students can see it and i'll pull i'll go into the into the buildings and i'll say hey listen give me that student that's having a hard time today i need them to help me harvest and we'll start you know harvesting our garden and we'll talk about what we're doing and just kind of help to decompress them but um i say i'm a bully because i just kind of go up to the principals and say hey This is what we're doing and we need your help. And so I kind of force them to really engage in what we're doing. I'm a lot smaller so I can kind of be a bully. I only have six schools. Um, And then once a year we do this really big Thanksgiving meal um, and I assign our administrators, like our superintendent, assistant superintendent to different buildings and I make them come down. We provide them with the apron, the hairnet, the gloves, and they serve our students that day because I want our students to see that we're all doing this together. This is a very special time for you because we're 100% CEP and my fear is that we're gonna send the student home who has no idea what a Thanksgiving meal looks like because they just can't afford it. And so I want to make sure, so if you're listening to state agency, I'm sorry, I want to make sure that those students get a real Thanksgiving meal. And so we go all out, we pull all bells and whistles, we spend um, five days preparing turkeys and mashed potatoes and stuffing and um, sweet potatoes, and then I make our principals and teachers and um, admin staff come down and help serve our students because I need them to be to show that humility piece in, in what we do each and every day so
0: um, yeah no, I love that yeah. you just said that and it brought us back to it's it's amazing because we're yeah. talking about cultures and yeah. you know our culture cannot get lost either Thanksgiving yeah. is a big deal it right you come coming yeah. to this country it's you know you want to participate right it's, yeah. it's obviously that you want to offer up something but you also want to immerse yourself in yeah. the new life that you have here, too. Yeah. So thank you so much, Nicole. You're thank you, Lindsay. It's been thank fascinating. You. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of School Food for Thought, the School Nutrition Association podcast. We hope you found the conversation insightful and inspiring. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to explore the rest of our series, where we delve into more engaging topics and conversations with school nutrition leaders from all over the country. Before we sign off, we'd like to extend our special thank you to our sponsor, General Mills. They play a crucial role in supporting our mission to bring you valuable insights and resources for the school nutrition community. To learn more about General Mills and their commitment to promoting nutritious and delicious meals for students, please listen to the message from our sponsor. Thank you once again for joining us on this exciting journey. Stay tuned and if you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe to School Food for Thought wherever you get your podcast.
2: Looking for fun, on-trend ideas to freshen up your menus and excite your students? Look no further than smoothies. Smoothies are a delicious, low-labor way to increase dairy, fruit, and even vegetable intake. Check out GeneralMillsCF.com for smoothie recipe ideas using Yoplait Parfait Pro, marketing resources, and
0: even more.